0: Welcome to the Who Cares Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Hettinger. Care matters. You feel better when you know somebody cares about you. And people feel better when they know you care about them. But there is so much more. Mastering caring skills equips you to engage with people around some very heavy subjects when they need care and help the most. And as people respond to you, you will be energized to realize that your care is making a difference. But most of all, when people of faith care effectively, the world is able to experience God's love and care. So we're here with stories and with leaders to talk about grief, trauma, addiction, mental illness, poverty, and more so that we can find the answer to the questions how can we care better what can we do to provide the best care as we start a new year of podcast i'm challenged with the thought of new year's resolutions and hopes and dreams and goals you know it seems like it used to be so i used to be so optimistic and hopeful at the beginning of a new year and Even as people would talk about it, it was like, are we going to keep our New Year's resolutions? But ever since COVID, the beginning of a new year, it's almost full of dread. What is going to happen this year that we can't deal with? What new pandemic or what new outbreak of war or what political drama? Oh dear, it's an election year. That should be exciting not to mention what could happen in my own life in the crazy world we live in. I guess I've really come to expect drama. Well, in this episode, I don't just talk about drama, but I talk about the fact that in all the drama, God is with us. Not only is he with us, But he made a plan to be with us. This is where Christmas flows into New Year's. And I'm sharing with you a message that I brought that shows God not only is with us, he always had a plan to be with us. And he worked it from the beginning. And so as we face a new year, here's a message to get us started. And as we care for people It ultimately comes down to everybody needs presence, and more than everything else, we need the presence of God in all of our drama. So I hope you will enjoy this message and that it will benefit you, and I'd love to hear from you, too. Uh, Go to the blog and leave a comment. Shoot me an email at dan at bestcareministry.com, and we can talk about this, but Before you hear my uh, message on uh, the presence of God in our drama, uh, I'd like to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. There are more real-life stories about care, useful resources, important organizations that care for people on our website. Go to bestcareministry.com. It's also a great opportunity for you to get connected with the care ministry world. And on this podcast, if, if you haven't heard recent episodes, l- listen to the one where Julie shared how she and her husband were open to care when they went through the heartbreak of miscarriage and infertility. Um, listen to the conversation I had with the big league ball player who wondered if his life really mattered if, if he was making a difference on the team and that's just the introduction to something that's going to be coming later. Uh, Take time to listen to that. You'll uh, appreciate the perspective of wondering if, if what you're doing matters, because I want to tell you what you are doing does matter and when you face that temptation, want you to know about it. That's on the podcast and on the blog, lots of other good stories. Uh, when you go to the website, you can also support us financially. Would you consider becoming a donor every month, a recurring donor? Uh, it helps the operation of Best Care Ministry um, function, and it helps us produce more materials to help you thrive in care ministry and help people feel God's love. Well, now let's take a few minutes and listen to a message that I shared on experiencing God's presence in the drama. Let me share with you right off the bat the key verse from our text. There's a broader context, but we're only going to read a short portion of our text for today. And then Throughout the the message, I'll, I'll refer to the broader context and other places you even can read. This comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, the word of the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, what an incredible thought that you are here with us too. You are not just far away in front of that glassy sea on your throne in heaven, but you are God with us. Uh, We know you are omnipresent, but beyond the beauty and the power of your omnipresence and the fact that we can go nowhere to hide from you is also the beauty of fellowship with you and knowing that you are with us and that you are here and that you are even in us. Lord, today, help us to experience a fresh meaning, a fresh outpouring of your presence in each of us and in us together as a fellowship. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump right into the message. The comments from my introduction are part of my first point. So I'm going to give you the outline right now for you note takers. And here's the outline for today's message. God works in drama. God works in the drama of life. God's plan prevails over all the drama. And God's plan is to be with each of us. God works in the drama. God's plan prevails over all the drama. And God's plan is to be with all of us with each of us. We'll start with my drama. Those of you who are retired may be able to identify with this. When you go into retirement, uh, it's a unique experience. It's a new season of life, and none of us really quite know what to expect. Uh, We just know it's a new chapter. And We try to plan for it and we try to prepare for it, but it's new, so we really don't quite know what to do. So this was my approach. I'm an active person. I like to be busy. I like to do things. I I love the Lord. I love his church. So I took this approach. Lord, uh, if you will give me the opportunity to be active to do things with people, to uh, be involved in some form of care ministry, to mentor, to uh, teach, to write, to podcast, to do all the fun stuff. Uh, And help me to do it with no drama. You know, I I get to do what I want, when I want to do it, the way I want it without a boss. Lord, if, if we can have a retirement like that, that will be a wonderful life. So here's how it went. We moved during a pandemic, okay? That, that was the start. And then within my first month of full-time retirement, I get a call from the doctor's office, you need to see oncology tomorrow. I had bone cancer, major surgery, thankfully I'm cancer-free today, but that wasn't exactly anything I had in my plans. We've had family drama that's lasted for quite a long time and been quite dramatic. Susan fell down the steps one day after church, head first, backwards, nine steps, cement floor, brick wall at the end. By God's grace, uh, after several weeks or months of recovery from bruises, she did recover. Uh, It was dramatic (laughs) to walk down to the bottom of the steps and see her laying there Then we attend this wonderful, warm, comfortable church and our beloved pastor gets cancer. Chris, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you ruined my retirement. (laughs) I'm honored to be here with you. I'm just saying it's dramatic. It's a big deal. It's nothing we planned on. And much of my retirement so far has not gone according to plan. It has been dramatic. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when I preach, I I made a comment on the book of Acts and I think I misspoke. It could have easily been misunderstood. I certainly could have said it a lot better. What what I stated was when I was reading the book of Acts, I was going through all of the drama of Acts and I wanted to take a break on that and read something different. Uh, it, it almost made it sound like the drama of Acts was an annoyance to me and I did not want to communicate that. I love the book of Acts. Uh, Not only do I love the book of Acts, I'm inspired by the work of the Holy Spirit who works in the lives of people in such a powerful way that they endure all kinds of drama. They have been through everything. They have been through all kinds of, of persecution shipwrecks, imprisonments, beatings, all for the cause of Christ. So if we're looking to get into a faith that lacks drama, it's amazing what the church was born through. It's amazing the drama that existed, especially for that New Testament church, when when these courageous people loved Jesus so much that power of the Holy Spirit in them so strong that no drama hindered them. It only made them love each other better, work together more. It was, it was incredible. Actually, it reminds me of a prayer I should have prayed instead of asking the Lord for a smooth life, uh, a smooth retirement. uh, I should have said something more like this. Lord, in whatever I encounter in this chapter of life, help me remember your faithfulness throughout my lifetime so that I can live with even greater confidence to face more and greater challenges so that I can encourage others and glorify you. If I would have taken the attitude of the New Testament church, that's the prayer I would have prayed rather than taking the financial planners uh, view on retirement. We've gone through those two dramas, my personal drama, the New Testament drama, but now we come to drama in Isaiah. And one of the things that drew me to this prophetic scripture, this messianic scripture, is the drama surrounding it and the discomfort of this setting. When we read, unto us a child is born, that is so beautiful. And we think of silent night, holy night, and Christmas carols and candlelight, and it's so wonderful. But when Isaiah spoke to Ahaz and said, the Lord will give you a sign, there was judgment in it, there was correction, and there was hope and promise. And when we look at the whole book of Isaiah it is highs and lows it is a dramatic book it is highs of promises of God's presence God's deliverance God's power and in the depths of the consequences of sin and fallenness and rebellion and upcoming exile and it's dramatic it's a dramatic book and it's filled with the highs and the lows. And this particular text has it all. It has it all. It has the beauty of the blessing, but it also has the, the warning of God's judgment and the challenge that I will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive. Let's look a little bit more at the context of, of this setting. Ahaz was the king, and he was perhaps the worst king of Judah ever. Um, The kingdom was divided after David and Solomon. We had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Ahaz was the king of Judah. Um, He sacrificed his son in the fire, and he worshiped false gods. All over Judah, he built uh, altars to false gods. He did everything everything, instead of remembering the God that established them as a people, that protected them, that delivered them from Egypt, that helped them cross the Red Sea, that fed them with manna and everything else. No, he chose all of the foreign gods and he worshiped them and he completely turned his back on the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. The northern king... Hika, the king of Israel, the other part of the kingdom, he formed an alliance with Rezin, the king of Aram, and they schemed to try to occupy Judah. And so Ahaz is living with this constant threat, constant attacks, constant skirmishes, reminds me of what's going on today with Israel except a different set of characters. The threat was constant and real, But God told him, it's not going to work. You're going to be okay because I have a plan and I'm uh, going to work my plan and you're going to be safe. But Ahaz lived by sight, not by faith. He did not look to God. He only looked to his circumstances. He only looked to the surrounding drama. And he said, well, I can't trust God. I have got to develop an alliance and get somebody to help me. So he developed, he reached out to get an alliance with the king of Assyria. It was really more of a surrender even than an alliance. Listen to the words he said when he asked for help from an earthly king instead of God. Listen to these words. I am your servant and vassal come and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and the king of Israel who are attacking me. He could have said, God, I'm your child. You have a plan. These are your people. You've preserved us in the past. Preserve us again. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm your servant. I'm your vassal. He placed himself under bondage and he placed himself opposed to God on the other side of God. Now, clearly Ahaz was in a bad place. It's it's no wonder he was frightened. I can imagine his danger, especially as I look at the news today, I can can get a little bit of the feel of the real time of Isaiah chapter 7. but he took the wrong solution. The dramas that I have described here in this first part of the message are all different. There are personal dramas that come to each of us for reasons that we really don't understand. And I don't know what your dramas are today. I don't know how many are going through marriage dramas, relationship dramas, uh, dramas at work, pressures, stresses. I don't know who here exactly is dealing with grief and loss or illness or suffering in some way. Um, I don't know how many people here have uh, dramas going on of huge decisions to make and, and maybe even dramas of great success but you have to decide big things and, and spend a lot of money and I, I don't know. But I'm sure all of us, each of us in some way or another has, is, or will have a major drama in our life. Life is full of drama, personal dramas. We don't know, but we may all have the second kind of drama like the New Testament church had too. People have suffered and continue to suffer For the name of Christ, at the hand of the enemies of God. This past Thursday, I had a wonderful opportunity. I taught a group of African church leaders living in Tunisia about care ministry. These people uh, have spent their whole lives in ministries surviving, and they have actually forgot how to care for each other and they need to care for each other and care for the people going through their dramas of civil war and uh, genocide. Isn't that incredible? And the lady who interpreted it, who set it up uh, is is from my church in Colorado, and she's a missionary, which I was not allowed to say uh, during the conversation on Zoom, she was in Mauritania when she was uh, interpreting for me because everybody spoke French and I do not. She said, Mauritania is dangerous. She said, there's a lot of kidnappings here. And I said, Freddie, be careful. Why are you there? And she said, every time I travel here, I'm prepared to die for Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's still happening. That's still going on. I hope it never happens to you, to me, but it's happening today. There's drama in the world. And then there's the drama that comes in people's lives and in our world from godlessness, rebellion, and fleshly solutions. Now, the main lesson here is not that life is difficult and hard and we're all going to go through stuff. The main lessons is God's presence is greater than any drama. The main lesson is God will work in our lives and give us a sign and he will be with us. He works in any drama. Within all of the drama, you will find God patiently persists to do his work. God is determined to complete his plan of salvation. In spite of bad people, even the worst people, in spite of difficult circumstances, even in the worst of circumstances, in whatever drama we encounter, we're called to admit our need for God's solution and to trust his work. And what is his ultimate work? He offered it to Ahaz, the people of Judah, and he offers it to us. He offers us Emmanuel. He offers us his presence. And he's even given us a sign, the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel and we have Emmanuel. His plan prevails I wonder what it was like to hear about this sign in real time. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What would have been the immediate answer when you get a solution that's long-term? You follow what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, here's Ahaz facing military annihilation and the prophet comes and says a baby's going to be born. So I need an immediate solution, not a long-term solution, but there is an immediate solution. If I believe God has a plan and he's going to succeed in his plan, then I need to trust him and his plan. So if I really believe God has a plan for my life, if I believe God has a plan for oaks, if I have a belief that God has a plan for salvation, if I believe that God has a plan to come back, even if I don't see an immediate solution to every little need I have, I know if I get in the flow of that plan, those solutions will come. If I seek first the kingdom of God, he'll add all the rest of the stuff to me. If I keep my eyes on him, his plan will prevail. So there will be an immediate solution, even if there's a long-term solution at the same time. Ahaz wouldn't believe it. He wouldn't even try to understand it, and he wouldn't get the solution that God had. But if he had, he would have seen this. This plan is a supernatural plan. A virgin will conceive. There's something that's going to happen here that is not natural. Nothing but God can make this plan work. It will be a God sized solution, it will look different than a natural solution, it will look different than what you might expect. The supernatural is much better than the natural. It is more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. I like the way Paul says it in Corinthians, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has ever thought. To live and trust God for work can be frightening. Faith existence can be frightening, but it is also exciting And it is the most wonderful and secure place to live and be, to live trusting God's plan. Security comes in trusting God's plan that cannot and will not fail. It's a long-term solution too. When I look at God's plan, And I realize his plan prevails. Uh, And when we look at God's plan, do you know what we get to see here? We get to live a three-dimensional Christian life. So many times we look at a uh, teaching kind of in the here and now or in the present, but when we're talking about biblical prophecy and God's long-term plan, and we don't just look at what we're supposed to do today or tomorrow or this decision we're making or how we're supposed to treat that person or, or what sin we're supposed to confess. All of that matters. Don't mean to minimize it. I just mean to say when we do it in the context of time, looking back now and looking forward and thinking about God's plan, we see life in a so much bigger and broader way. I'll call it three-dimensional. Now, as I've said many times before, we moved here from Colorado and there are so many views of the mountains. If, for all of you who've been to Colorado, you understand this. For those of you who haven't been, let me explain it this way because it was a surprise to me when we moved there. Travis, I feel like I'm cutting in and out. Are you, is, is that okay? All right. Uh, as long as it's not bothering you, I'll try to keep talking. Uh, when you look at the mountains... From the front range, it's, like, it's almost like a bed. You have the, the the covers, and then you have the pillows. All at once, the mountains shoot up. It's, it's relatively flat out where we live in the front range, and then they start the ma- majestic, wonderful rocky mountains. You have the uh, the, the hogback, and then you have the foothills, and then you have the big boys, the 13, 14000 foot snow-capped peaks. And it's really amazing, but as you look at it from the front range, it's one-dimensional. You just kind of see the mountains. They're just all there in their glory, and they're overwhelming. You don't see them in much detail. You just see the bigness, and they're wonderful, and I love living there, and I love seeing that. When you drive into the mountains, when you get in on I-70 and you head west or you get on 285 and you head west or you go out of Colorado Springs on 24 and you head west. You go into the mountains and then you have a, an entirely different view because now you're seeing in detail and you're seeing not only how high they are but how deep they are. And, and you're driving in and you have mountains around you and you have mountains in front of you. It's, uh, it's an incredible thing. Biblical prophecy is a lot like that. Sometimes we read these scriptures, we see it one-dimensional. Or we read the Bible, we see it one-dimensional. But when we think of God's plan, we we can see it three-dimensional. There's some of it that's behind us. There's a lot of it that's around us. And there's some of it that's in front of us. And so with this particular prophecy, they were looking forward to the birth of Christ we can be looking back to the birth of Christ. We can be looking back to the fact that Emmanuel came, but we're still looking forward to him returning again. And and so we're deep into it, and it's an amazing and a beautiful thing. And when we look at God's plan, and we realize that it comes from the beginning, from the beginning, from the very, in Genesis, there were there was talk and prophecy to Moses that a prophet would come. Through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, there was prophecy that a prophet would come, that a child would be born. That... Ahaz could have believed that if he would have paid attention. He didn't. But we can believe that. We can look back and say that God was making this plan that a child would come and that he would be born and it would be a sign that God wants to be with us. What an incredible, what an amazing plan. It, it, here's what really thrills me when I start looking at it as a plan. God can't be stopped. And he's so thorough that he's working this plan. I have a full focus planner, which is the way I try to organize my life. My favorite tool is a leaf blower. It, it sort of depicts the way I operate. A lot of noise, hot air, and putting things in motion. And things are just blowing all over the place, but not much order. So I need a full focus planner just to help me try to corral things down a little bit. And this is a quarter, one quarter of a year. And then I have annual goals that I review each quarter and then I make sure I have weekly goals and then even daily goals in the top three and sometimes I get them done and many times I don't. I find planning to be enormously difficult and complex but I really work hard at it because I need to just to be a little bit focused. But I think of God's plan How does God even plan? How does he do it? I mean, does he have, you know, a 4,000-year, you know, focused plan? I mean, his mind and his heart has this incredible plan. He planned the creation. How, How did he do? Well, let me see. On Monday, you know, I'll separate the waters, and then on and I don't mean to make light of it I'm just actually trying to think about it in the terms of a plan and when he's planning salvation and, and, and then the way he's working his plan Chris this is for you sweet mercy <laughs> what a plan what a planner That God plans. He doesn't just react to needs, but he has this incredible plan that works through every drama, that works through every need, that works through every chapter, every phase of history, every political party. He's working his plan. It is not hindered. It's an amazing plan. And what is his plan? What is it ultimately? His plan is to be with us. His plan is to be with us. In our drama, we might lose sight of that. We might even forget that there's a plan going on. But the good news is, There is a plan going on. God is actively working his plan and his plan is so benevolent, so loving, so forgiving. His plan is to give us Emmanuel, God with us. This has always been the desire of God. It teaches us who God is. It teaches us a lot about his character and his desire. From the very beginning when he created earth and and man and woman and put them in a garden it was so he could be with them and fellowship with them and walk with them in the cool of the evening and at the end of time at the end of this existence of life he takes us to heaven to be with him so that where he is we can be also and he can be our God and we will be his people and we will be together that's been his plan all along to be with us and now he offers it to us on a daily basis for those who believe he offers to be present in our lives the greatest gift of all the presence of God the presence of God here with us the presence of God in each of our lives he's come from heaven to earth He entered our existence. He knows all of our temptations. He's broken through the wall of separation in Genesis chapter 3 where there's a cherubim standing guarding between heaven and the... Uh, the security of God's presence in the fall and the curse and earth. He's broken through that. He's torn the, the veil and he's come to be with us so that we can experience him in a personal relationship, so that we can pray and talk to him and so that we know he's looking at us and he cares about us, whatever our drama, whatever we're going through. Only the prophesied child... Only this supernatural plan of that one born of a virgin to be Emmanuel could bring this light to our darkness, this life to our death, this meaning to our drama. How can we experience these things? How can we experience this presence? How can we be in the flow of His plan? Some of it is aware, some of it is thinking, some of it is listening, some of it is sharing and fellowshipping with others and talking to others with it about it. But the other thing is to receive it, to decide, I, I believe it, I want it. Lord, be present in my life, I need you. I have drama, I have sin, I have brokenness. I want you to forgive it. I want you to be my God. I want that presence that you promise. I want Emmanuel. I don't wanna be Ahaz. I want it, I wanna receive it. I have a podcast. Uh, it's called Who Cares with Dan Hedinger. If any of you wanna to listen to it, excuse the ad, you know. Uh, I think it's episode 13 or 14 or 15. I I forget, I forgot to write it down. I interviewed a, uh, a girl, her name was Abigail. Uh, her family had some serious church drama and she had gone away from the church, had fallen away from the church and was not practicing her faith. It was there in the back of her mind and she kind of believed but she wasn't practicing. And then she became pregnant and she went in for her ultrasound and the doctor said, you have a trisomy baby that is not compatible with life. And this baby has profound birth defects and uh, if you want, we'll abort it. And she went, no, I I can't do that. Uh, Well, it won't live long and she said well I will I don't know what to expect but she and her husband were devastated they were devastated they were grief-stricken what was supposed to be a beautiful birth has now become a very dramatic pregnancy and she went I, I'm not sure what to do but this is what she did she threw herself plan of God and into trusting him and the way she describes it is decide feel express that's what she talks about in this uh, conversation I had with her on the podcast she decided I will throw myself into the arms of a merciful God and Savior I will choose him. I will receive him into my life. I will trust him. And then I will feel all the drama that I'm going through and all the disappointment and all the grief. And I will express it to him and to others. And she said, and you know what? He has never, ever left me or let me down. It's an incredible story. The sign he gave us, the sign he gave Ahaz, it was a sign too. It, it was an apologetic. We know that maybe the greatest apologetic is the resurrection of Christ, the empty tomb. But we have this series of signs, when I live in doubt, when I wonder some days when I'm going through hard times or discouraged or depressed or whatever challenged I go you know I believe that Jesus was born according to God's plan according to God's promise I believe he lived a life I believe he died on the cross I believe he was buried I believe on the third day he rose from the dead I believe he intercedes for my prayers. I believe he's coming back again. They're the signs that are available to you and me, to Oaks Church at this time in our history, at this time in the world we live in. We have God living with us. We have God offering to be with us. Will we receive him? Do you feel his presence? Not just do you believe in him. Do you feel his presence in your life as you live? As you live each day? Do you feel that God is with you? Seek his presence. Receive his presence. Look for his presence. Because he is here. And he never gets tired of trying to make his presence known. He's been working that plan from the beginning and he will work it until the end. He is actively trying to help us experience his presence. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us so much as to want to be with us. Thank you for working a plan from the beginning. Thank you for making yourself known to us. Lord, help us. Help us to understand. Give us hearts to have faith, to believe, and to receive you, and to uh, enjoy and experience your presence in the fullness that you intend. I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for taking time to listen. I hope you experience God's presence in your drama this year. It will probably have some, uh, personally and in our world. So thanks for being here. Thank you for caring for people. Thanks for wanting to care better. Uh, It's exciting to see the conversation grow around care ministry and more people be involved, because that's... That's what's really going to make a difference, and that's where lives change the most. So thanks for being part of this. I want to thank a few more people, too, for helping make this podcast possible. Zach Carter wrote and performed the opening music, and my brother, Jim Hedinger, composed and performed the closing song, In the Midst of the Storm. Uh, Talk about drama. Here's a song to listen to during the drama. Thanks, Andrew Hedinger, for editing and publishing this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. Please help us grow by subscribing, by rating, by sharing it with podcast, by sharing it with colleagues, family members, and friends. Uh, we need your help to help us grow. And visit our website, BestCareMinistry.com. For many more real-life care stories, resources, and organizations that provide specialized care, go to bestcareministry.com. Best Care Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Your donations are tax-deductible, and they help us tremendously to keep doing the work that we're doing and producing more materials so that people feel God's love, and so that people thrive in caring for other people. Thanks so much for listening. Now, as we close, take two minutes just to be still before you sign off and think about what you've just heard. Think about God's presence in your life and listen to the music of Jim Hedinger and just see what you hear.